Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Xenial Odyssey podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. Welcome back, everybody, to the Zenial Odyssey podcast. You're here with Remy and Bobby Rocks, and we are joined with a guest. It's a blast from the past. It is from the WBIM days, intern Kelly. It is Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the Odyssey. Where you been? Rocking that 91.5. All right, we're bringing it back. Well, you could tell us, where have you been? Well, wait, before you jump into that, you ha- you, you just kind of introduce her like we have a million fans. So look, <laughs> I, th- I feel like I want to say we all, for, for some of them might just be listening. We had a radio show together, the three of us at this table um, um, in Bridgewater. Shall was... I tell the story of how it started? Yeah, well, I want to. A little after me. Yeah, so um, um, we were on a radio show and Kelly was here right now, was the intern. We were a bunch of jackass males and we were older than her and she kind of tolerated it. But it was, it was fucking, it was a fantastic time for everybody and she is with us. My take is, we, first off, we were like, oh shit, we have an intern? Mm-hmm. This is fucking great. And then. Never sent her to get coffee once. No, no, because no. we were nice. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we, we are nice people. But then we were, this, literally the first episode, you're uh, with us and we're, we're literally game planning songs we're game planning what we're going to talk about and then we we said oh you can come on the air with us and you, the first things you like utter are there's way more to 90s music than i thought whether you said it or not the, the reference to i just thought it was like goo goo dolls matchbox 20 and that mm-hmm. was it you know it, she was the proverbial babe in the woods like we're all like the music fucking junkies and she i mean oh i was a music junkie. no i know but it was a different way, yeah like, no, because I think WBIM didn't know what to do with me based on how eclectic I was. And other people were just so much more suited to like their niche shows. And then I came in and just had this motley of interests. And they were like, well, this one show doesn't have an intern and this one intern doesn't have a show. So let's just see what happens. And I walked in like Sunday at 6 p.m. And the rest, as they say, is history. I remember Pat being like, why don't you like sit down and write down like your 90s music interest? And I was like Googling like top 100 bands from the 90s. Oh, but it was like so much the MTV Billboard Hot 100, not the alt rock. It was the Chumbawamba. Yeah. Oh my god, it really was the song that we would never play. Yeah. I know, you but wished we played that song though. I did. You every did. every week I'd request it because it was always on Pat's like top 10 throughout the 90s, 91, 92. I remember like calling Jesus Jones the Jesus Tones one time. <laughs> like you guys educated me so much in the way of like music and way of life. Like that show was a trip because uh, also for those that don't know the backstory, which is probably most of your listeners, is I became the perpetual intern. Like on my 21st birthday, we celebrated my quote unquote 13th because there was just so much like of a generation gap even because y'all were in like your late 20s and 30s, etc. And I was like 18 and just got to college and just lived that best life. And you broke out. You had just broken out of a fairly conservative home for the first time. Yeah. Oh, yes. So I think that for her, Kelly was kind of wide eyed a lot. But I have to give her a lot of credit because we're all loud and we're all like constant. 
You learned where to step in. You learned, and you knew certain shit you said would get you made fun of, but you still had you the went courage for it. to say it. You went for it. Like Matchbox yeah. 20 shit and shit, you know, where you're like, you would reference something and we'd, we'd all look at each other and we'd be like, you know what? She's cool. We, need, we can educate her. My weakness became my strength. That's, That's right. exactly it. Yeah. And this is full circle for a lot of us. Me and Bob, you know, Bob started this show because of the DJ that brought that show together, Pat. That, that's right. I was going to say that, I mean, we have basically three of the four people that were really the, the power part of One Where You Been took off. Yeah. Obviously, because we, we did the the Pat episode, but we Pat can't be here because Pat is no longer with us. Pat's always here, but he but, can't yeah. respond right now. Yes. He's here in spirit form. Yeah. Yeah. He may send us a sign. The lamp falls. <laughs> no, he hasn't sent us a sign yet. So yeah, if we stick with the theme of where you've been, where have you been? What you been up to? Well, it's been a bumpy ride, but it's been fun. Um, I left Bridgewater State and went to North Carolina for graduate school. And while I was there, one of like the factoring decisions was like, how much of a thriving like kink community did this have? And it was like DeKalb, Illinois, which like no offense intended, but I didn't really see much of a scene like that far outside Chicago. Kelly's kinky, by the way. Oh yeah. God. Like yeah. she just jumped right into it like we all know, but she's- But she... that was part of my decision-making process was like, yeah. where can I thrive? And like in college, that was one of the things I explored. And I remember like coming back from like fetish conventions in Rhode Island and being like, where you been? Like, how you guys doing? I just got a new corset and just being like- It was fun. It was, was trippy baby cake and just such a baby queer back then and like didn't know what I didn't know and um that's been like a huge journey and evolution and then like and I gotta wait I gotta give you credit because you were you were very you were progressive about a lot of the changes that have come now with with you know people being more open sexually with one another and just you know so I have to give you credit for that for sort of being one of the first people I've seen at least at your age especially embrace that Oh, well, college definitely like liberalized me. And when I realized everything was a social construct, I was like, burn it all down. So yeah. like, yes, gender yeah, that sums and, like social norms and expectations, yes. just there's so much pressure on labels and like how we want to put people into boxes, you know, you know, hashtag I'm the man in the box. So like, there you go. Nice reference. I was going to say, usually my jump off point, but I didn't want to jump in for you guys is for anybody out there that doesn't know what kink is. If you could give us like a summary of what oh, kink is. Wow. That is quite a question. Question, like, I know if, if you can summarize it. Well, like kink is whatever kink is to you. So like to some people that's, you know, like just doing it with the lights on and like not in missionary position, like doing it outside of those social norms is kinky. To some people, it's limited to something that they just do in the bedroom. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they'll break out the toys, have a bit of fun, you know, on the regular or on special occasions. For some people like myself, it is in fact like a lifestyle and it, you know, just shapes so much of your worldview and kind of like, you know, certain people have the PTA or their book club that they're interested in. Some people have their organizations that they just want to educate and advocate because like, you know, you got to do stuff in a safe, sane and consensual way. Is it fair to say, but I mean, you brought up like the PTA, this crossover, there's people no, in the PTA that are kinks. Is, like the people that you don't expect, you know, my mother joked that it was always the quiet ones when she found out about me. Coming up librarians, I always had this, just this secret weird 80s Listen, fantasy. my morning jacket has a song about it and it's a wonderful song. I've never heard it. Little Brian, librarian song. Yeah, I've never heard it. But I, I, you know, and I think that what you said there is crucial, you know, to, to find a scene that's developed and that's safe where you you can express yourself in a way where you're not being judged or mm -hmm. having stones mm -hmm. cast, you know? No, and absolutely. It was always funny, like a funny story about Kelly though. So like, talked about FetLife. I knew about FetLife, which was a big fetish website. And and so we, we'd talk, Kelly and I would talk and then like she'd go away for the weekend and we'd do the show and we'd be outside, they'd be, be eating Chinese food and she'd be like, yeah, so what'd you do this weekend? And I'm like, oh, you know, I got a few articles published. 
blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, what did you do? She shows me like a photo of her like splayed on a crucifix in leather. No. No, not literally. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I think, I think Rem's taking some liberties here. Hyper- hyperbole. Projecting. I hyperbole. Think he's fantasizing. But no, it, was, it would always crack me up though because again, it's the idea that the person you meet that is super quiet and stuff, we all have that. We all have that side and there's nothing weird about it. Like the taboo of kink, thankfully, in the last 10 years especially, has really dissipated. It's always going to be there because mm. there's different lines in society, but yeah, I think it's cool that you found your tribe i said that to you outside i'm like you know not everybody gets to do that if i could jump in here because uh, rem and i were very we're very conscious of hipaa law so we're very careful about how we talked about the place we worked together mm. but i mean we we worked with people with sexualized behaviors and a lot of that came from abuse though so that was a lot of psychoeducation about like redefining for the individuals what that maybe some of the urges they have are okay as long as it's consensual and in all honesty that's something i'm I've actually i'm doing at my current job is creating yeah. a curriculum so people number one it removes the stigma that people have Mm -hmm. and number two it it educates people on that some not all kinks and not all fetish not all of it i believe is a paraphilia Mm -hmm. some of it is some of it's not but it's about understanding that even if it is or not that doesn't mean that someone has like paraphilic disorder which is diagnoses which means that they they don't consent and and one thing i'm gonna forget this because i'm old so if i sometimes (laughs) cut you guys off i'm sorry but i lose thoughts i would say this confidently that Every single person on earth has a kink. Maybe some have not been brave enough to address it, to search it, or to even figure out Mm -hmm. what it is. But I know coming up, I was joking to Bob in the car on the way here that a lot of 80s movies gave me a a MILF or mature kink. Because there was a lot of authority, hot women, a little bit older, you know what I'm saying? So... You don't realize how you get affected by pop culture, but I know. Oh, media is nuts. Like, you just look to Wes Craven's scream and you can see art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. Speaking and of Wes Craven, we were on the way up talking. here. We, we were talking about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and how it is just like a. Well, have you seen it? Yeah. Have you seen Nightmare on Elm Street It's okay too? if you haven't. No, I haven't. Okay. Please do you. Oh yeah. my God. It is without it's so cerebral. I worry about the nightmares. But... No, no, no. This is going to make you feel powerful. Bob, yeah. Please. So I'm going to summarize without ruining the movie. It is an unintentionally homoerotic celebration. It's perfect. I can see that. Perfect celebration. And, it and, really and, is. and I really want to keep it because the, because the lead actor Mm-hmm. In that the protagonist, I mean, in real life, he he's gay. He wasn't out at the time. He wasn't. He nor wasn't out was at the, the time. director who was gay. Yeah, yeah. So he, but he, but it like subconsciously, like those tendencies come out, and it's just like when you're a young a young kid and you're just like oh okay like you're just what you're not having any judgment the effect this yeah. is having oh i said to bob I'm this like, is instructing me in that moment i knew <laughs> this I, is informing my I, value system i wasn't gay only because i didn't realize they were but i bet there are many young because it's it, when you're a young kid untrained on it i didn't know that these two guys wrestling with their shirts off in a bed was the greatest gay thing yeah. i've never seen <laughs> But so I got older and I think that that movie too, probably because the director said I came out because of it. The actor said I came out because of it. And I bet there are millions of horror fans who were like, I came out because of it. Because, you know, you get awakened. You do. I get awakened by Mills and some people got awakened by that. But I didn't, um, I didn't see it, and I've rewatched it since because there's a documentary on how it's the gayest movie ever made. And oh my goodness, you love because you love seeing, you love that scene, and you love people. Be- I think that you'll find the movie remarkable, and I think you want to share it with people. And then that tied us into talking about uh, Showgirls and how, oh my sh- and how Showgirls say what you said. Showgirls, the director intended to make a movie that was like showcasing the like nude erotic dancing of Vegas but it really was like a celebration of fabulousness that's, that's what that's what it is to it's me. another gay film yeah. it is it's yeah. another gay film when filled you say with... celebration of fabulousness I just think of like Priscilla Queen of the Desert yeah, that's a great, it yeah, kind yeah. of is yeah. like, it yeah. is that you know lick it up baby lick it up so uh, let me kind of go big picture here. So like, I know I call this show the Zennial Odyssey, but it, it is a pl- it is like tongue in cheek because I uh, I am a millennial. I am like uh, firmly in the middle of yeah, millennial. Yeah. 
But I feel that Pat was the epitome of everything that was good about him, or that is good about the millennial generation. He really was. Yeah. Like, because he didn't try too hard, but he tried just hard enough that he always made everything he mm-hmm. do feel special and everyone he spoke with feel special. special. Yeah. And he'd do this little thing where he'd like pull you aside and sort of whisper something to you or tell you something, like or just mention a little joke, but... Intimate moments with Pat. Yeah. It's just like, and we have to say that me and Bob were 41 episodes deep now because of Pat. You're here yeah. because of Pat. Right. Anything you guys have heard, like Bobby started this, bless your soul, bless his soul, on the fact that we were supposed to do this with Pat. We were all supposed yeah. to. Mm-hmm. This was going to be the next leg of WBIM, Where You've Been. And for me, I guess it felt sacred and untouchable. But the way Bobby approached it is like, listen, he's like- We I've can't been, recreate it. Yeah, he's like, no. I've been doing so this for try? a couple of weeks. I just yeah. talk, you know? He's like, we did it. We know better now. We're much better at not all talking over each other and shit. And like giving each other the eye prompts to go. Because we were just, if you guys yeah. listen, I really think if you guys listen, you'd be like, Wow. It's almost unlistenable. Yeah. The music's great, but you have four or five people who are genuinely excited to be together for the two hours. Yes. But that was the beauty of it. We learned. We sat there. We fucking learned. We learned how to do it. And now this is a stronger component. And it, it is Pat. It's not because of mm-hmm. Pat. It is Pat. Like, yeah. that's why this has turned into us all praising Pat, because <laughs> this brings it back for mm-hmm. us. He's the only one missing right now from this. And so one thing I do when I do edit the episodes Mm -hmm. is I usually play one song oh, and that's like another way to kind of make that reference to where you've been like usually we take a break yeah let's take a break we'll take a break we'll listen to some music and then we'll come back and you can we can you can take us on another odyssey can I ask Kelly a question real quick sure if you were gonna pick the song as in related to the show and your experience what song would you have going well I was absolutely gonna like rickroll you and be like it's obviously Chumbo Wumba I can find something like well oh god but like I remember y'all did like the um reunion show uh when pat like before he left bridgewater yeah and i called in and that was rare because of the fcc guidelines being so strict but because i used to be on the show you were like all right we know she won't swear on air (laughs) um so i called in and like i think i dedicated a song to like each of you in the time on the show and whatnot and i remember like with you it was the impression that I get. Awesome. Roxburgh by the Mighty awesome. Mighty Bostones. Marcy Playground. Yeah. All, all the lights, lights went out. out. Yeah, I remember. Great song. And then, the, so I guess I'm giving you options if you can find these. All right. right. Um, and the ultimate that even like, I think was unanimously decided amongst all of us is the best song ever on WBIM. And maybe you already did it for that reason. Was I Feel You by Depeche Mode. That is that. And by the way, that is probably my favorite Depeche We've had whole episodes about it. When <laughs> I, my wife and I went to see them in 2018. Oh, wow. And they did not play I Feel You. Underestimating how many people from Europe come to Boston to see Depeche Mode. I'm talking there were groups of, I could clearly tell they were like EDM German people. Hello, Bob. And they're oh, literally I'm going just. to see KMFDM yeah, on Monday. Yep. So nice. like, it's going to be dope. So, same same <laughs> yeah. scene. So I'm basically going to take all my that, people. put it in a blender in my head, and I'll kind of try to find a song for the episode.
Michael Kelly, where would you like to take us? Would you like to take us more on uh, kink journey? Would you like to take us just about your just your life post where you've been? I mean, it's up to you. Well, um, they're kind of one and the same right right there. So like y'all were talking earlier about like things that you're involved with, like at a professional level. And like one of the main like advocacy points I have is like proving that it's not necessarily always traumagenic. Like mm-hmm. I've had people that are like, oh, is it your daddy issues? Is it because of your relationship with your mother? And I'm like, no, I, I just like what I like and I'm into what I'm into. And like it doesn't have to come from a dark place. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be so it, derivative. And it doesn't all have to be dark. So like I'm in a few like different uh, discussion boards where we're like, y'all, why is it always just black and red is the color scheme for everything? Yeah. <laughs> like, can we start like livening this up a bit? Right. Like there are more colors. Maybe a little um, lavender in there. Yeah. So like there's that. And then there's also the, there's like a criminal kink, like correlation in media, especially like if you're looking at CSI law and order, we're either always like the victims of crimes, mm-hmm. which is some sort of like coding that if you engage in these behaviors, bad things will happen to you. Yep. Yeah. They are like pretty heavy handed and with that sort of narrative. And then it just gives you like different impressions of what is and is not acceptable. Like I know that when I was in college at BSU is when like 50 shades came out and like mm-hmm. really changed the game and like made the scene more accessible to people, yep. but almost made it more scary to people who had been in for so long because we were almost like speaking our own language and there were already these established like rules, guidelines. Tourists came yeah. in. Yeah, actually, like, you're not wrong. And, like, there's even, like, a bit of overlap and clash between, like, the swing and kinksters community because those cultures are just so different. And then, like, having to explain to people that kink is not all about sex and that you can actually have very asexual mm-hmm. BDSM practices. Is it fair to say it's – is it about more about intimacy than it is about sex? Oh, for sure. Okay. Connection mm-hmm. and, like – vulnerability i think too absolutely like you can do like self scenes like if you're into certain types of play i had a sub Um, this year i mean i'll say that i had a sub this year like a submissive but there you go and and she was like quite a few states away and it was exactly what it was but it was funny because i've been approached more about women in the last 10 years who are more open to ask what they might actually want as opposed to just fitting into a fucking cliche role of girlfriend or whatever i think people are learning that the boxes that we put ourselves into are inherently limiting and that language is an entryway not a stopping point so like once you throw a label on then you have to define it Mm -hmm. and i think for so long for even like decades i'd argue people didn't bother to define those roles they just let those roles be defined for them and i think it's just opening the door for like more possibility and opportunity for people to be who they are. And if I could go back for a second to the media's portrayal, I think for people who are trying to find themselves in the world and they have this finally have something and it gives them power and a meaning. I mean, what, what kind of damage can that do to somebody? Let's get, we'll get it back on track here. So you said like you, you tend to live in the areas of North Carolina that are blue and, and what, except now, (laughs) well, what I was going to say, like, what are the differences as far as the kink community or the acceptance of it, depending on where you've lived? Good question. Well, when I first was in the like North Carolina scene, I was like, holy crap. Like it felt small because like just even the lay of the land is different. Like you can go an hour from Boston to Providence and you've driven through 36 towns and cities, Mm -hmm. like half a dozen counties and two states and you're in two capitals Mm -hmm. and in North Carolina you drive an hour and maybe you'll get to the other side of town so like 20 minutes up here is like a day trip it feels like but 20 minutes down there is just kind of the cost of doing business it's how you get everywhere Uh, anywhere all your friends live 20, 30, 40 
60 minutes away. Mm -hmm. So, and it's also very transient. Like the suburb right outside Raleigh is Carrie and people joke it's an abbreviation for containment area for relocated Yankees. Wow. I'm actually referred to now as the damn Yankee because I'm one of the northerners that moved down and never left. Yeah. So I went from like, you know, going to 3000 person events and conventions and traveling interstate to like being in a state that felt like a country unto itself from like my experience. Cause also like public transit down there basically doesn't exist. Um, it's very like car reliant. And then, you know, it's, do I really want to go all the way to an event that's so far away where I might not know anybody? So people don't necessarily put themselves out there the way that they would in Boston because it's just a train ride and, oh, I can just do something else in town. Whereas like these are very purposeful and there's a lot of intent and it's like, do you have the spoon? So, and it was just uh, like the conventions that were down there were like 500 to a thousand people. And it's just a different vibe. Yeah. Does, does the scene feel more intimate though, as a result of that? It depends on your own experience level. Like when I like look back and because I've just been a part of the community for so long and I can like point out people and be like, oh, I, I've like watched their relationship progress. Mm-hmm. I remember when they first got together. So like there is that moment where you kind of just like sit back and you're like, wow, like I'm not taking credit for what I'm seeing, but like it's beautiful to have been a part yeah, of yeah. like that evolution mm-hmm. and journey. And like I have a huge mantra where I'm like, let people know how much they mean to you. I like that. And yeah, that's like, a good mantra. You know, if someone's been a part of your journey that like you can even adapt this in like your vanilla life that if you go to like professional symposiums or conferences once a year, but you always see this one person, they mm-hmm. always have a smile on their face. They're always helping people and you've never spoken a word to them, but they're always there. The next time you see them be like, Hey, I've noticed you. Like I see, I see you, you. Yeah. Yeah. and I love what you do. And like, know that you're appreciated that people do yeah. recognize that. Yeah. And like, I've done that to people and like, it's made their day. People have done it to me. And like, there's no better feeling. And that there is that openness, that honesty, that vulnerability with the further like destigmatization of mental health. So like one thing I love about kink is how truly intersectional it is with education, sexual health, mental health, marriage equality. Like recently a judge in New York ruled that uh, polyamorous unions are entitled to the same legal protections as monogamous pairings. It's a big step. And and I'm always of the mindset of like the fact that we have to make it a law is stupid. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. But we're undoing the arcade. Old yes, world right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. like, I kind of love, I have a bumper sticker that says, get your laws out of my bedroom. Mm. And like, part of me, like after having been through like the marriage and like divorce cycle myself, I'm like, why is the government involved in our romantic entanglements? Yep. Yep. Like, I just don't understand it, but perhaps I'm just a little too calmy. You brought up a lot of good things that we have talked about. We touched upon a little bit because you brought up laws. So what can I ask? Oh, we, you're going to ask what I was going to ask. Yeah, we did. We did an episode. Um, Very good. Post the Supreme Court's decision on mm. our opinions. And we I'll, were appalled. I, yeah, we were appalled. I'll give you my summary of what really angered me mm-hmm. about this whole thing. And I did some research into the people of Texas, just overall their opinions. And I found research from like last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I purposely omitted one thing from what I told Remy because I just wanted to see his reaction. And I'll tell you like roughly. So in this one poll, it was like preface it by saying, so 53, per- they polled Texans, 53% of them said they were fine with some form of abortion being okay and he's like okay and i said yeah that was republicans in texas like so so what what angered me was that from the i was like the information i got seemed like the majority of people in texas are fine with having abortion but yet they're being held up as this christian conservative like look at this they're they're paving the way so i was arguing with my partner at one point and he was like you know if you liberals want a utopia go out and 
build it. And I was like, where? Because I don't want to colonialize anything. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, trust me, if we could just like have our own lot of land where you were, you know, pro-choice and like very liberal agenda, universalized healthcare, marry who you want, as many as you want. You know, kids have access to food, healthcare, water, like clean water, like Flint probably still doesn't have clean no, drinking water. No, like, nope, just no. Last I knew, Elon was still um, same color, still working on it. Same yeah. color as this. No, as no, no honestly, last, last I knew, Elon was the one funding f- like the filtration systems. Uh, I, and I know it's I know that's a very polarizing thing to say right no, now, but, but it's also frustrating that uh, it takes a private billionaire to do what. At the same time, the like Elon's so close to being a good guy, but yeah. like so now close he's to being like, a villain too. Yeah, that's he it. It's that, that duality. Like, y'all, I talked to Kanye, he's okay. And it's like, who made you a mental health professional? <laughs> um, so there's that, but then there's also Thanks, like, Elon. he's like trying to get involved in like international diplomacy. And now he's like, hey, those satellites I was giving Ukraine, like pro yeah, I bono, saw that. I saw that I'm really gonna today. start charging, even though I promised yeah. I never would. And it's like, all right, whose side are you on? Take like, back, you're right, right? Take back. He's on the um, side of capitalism, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, that's sad. Yeah. And like right now, um, just the whole, and I, I don't like to speak in like sweeping generalizations with like the right, but like certain characters and figureheads that are being exalted and put on these platforms and pedestals really do frighten me. And like, as a person who does have a uterus, as a person Mm -hmm. who identifies as queer, I'm like, holy shit, I may need to like apply for political asylum at some point in my life. Because I am part of a targeted group and like, Mm. because I was socialized and very much like pass as a, you know, white woman, I have so many privileges that like, you know, what the hell is going on in this country? Just, just, you know, we, we mostly, when we talk, when we just, when we touch upon these topics, Mm -hmm. Remy does a great job and I do agree with them that we put the disclaimer out there that we understand we're going into, uh, we're going into sensitive territory as as, as two psi white men. We, we do understand yeah. that. No, absolutely. And I said, so we're saying as much as we feel, but in other words, we're allowed to say how we feel on this, but this mm-hmm. isn't our fight. We can support right. the fight. Yes. Well, I, um, so you mentioned FetLife earlier mm-hmm. and I wrote a... Give people a quick rundown for the people who Okay, so a- FetLife is like Facebook uh, for kinky people. It's yep. like a social media platform and it is not a dating platform. It's not a hookup platform. It is to meet people, to go to events, to gather resources on different interests you have. And they could be kinky or not. Um, like there are plenty of groups that are just about, you know, cooking and recipes and we did poems on geeks and video games and like art and all sorts of stuff. And it's just a really awesome outlet for a lot of people, uh, with the pandemic, there was a huge influx of people that found it because everyone was stuck at home and access to the internet is the only means of entertainment. Safe, kinky social media, ultimately. Well, we hope to keep it as safe as possible. And, um, they do the best that they can. They're stationed out of Canada. Um, they're privately owned and operated. And sometimes there are some issues with like different credit card companies that don't want to be associated with such devious behaviors. So that's kind of where, uh, one of the things I firmly believe in is that kink is inherently political because the things that we do in the shadows, so to speak, are like technically illegal by the books and a lot of those laws are in place to like protect protect victims of rather survivors of domestic violence um so i'm for them but sometimes they're applied in abusive ways holy crap the law being taken advantage of yeah i know i I was gonna say yeah so like well i know and it's very it was so to kind of circle it back it was very important i'm glad bobby i'm glad bobby asked you because it was exactly what i was about to ask i say listen 
We've done a couple of these and we don't have full representation. Of, like, I wish you were staying around because we would take you as an intern for this fucking thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no bullshit. Th- there are points I don't think I think you would have had strong opinions because we did we did an episode about the Depp and the Herd trial. Oh, that was. But but there were also the comical like the like that psychiatrist they brought on. I just thought he was. I found him a joy. Oh my goodness! Like the smacking of his lips and then the. Oh well, there was <laughs> actually a theory. Oh. So one of my favorite content creators, I'm going to shout her out, is a Swoop on YouTube. She does Swoop. There it is. Uh, yeah, Swoop, Swoop, Swoop. Yeah. Um, but it's good. She does like deep dive documentaries, and she broke down the uh, Depp Heard trial and. She actually had a theory or discovered a theory and researched it that they might have found the wrong doctor or the wrong lawyer, whatever the guy they interviewed. There is another dude that has the exact same name who has way more impressive credentials, but specializes in very similar things. And they think that the herd like team just didn't research it well enough. And the guy did it as an opportunity. Yeah. well, why for himself. Would, if you were going to get paid thousands of dollars yeah. to testify in one of the biggest celebrity like circuses, it's kind of what it became. Oh, it, it definitely, it definitely. Went. I mean, if I'm I'm being very simple when I say this, my takeaway is they were just a volatile mix, and they were bad for each other. Yes, I definitely believe there were like mixes of like personally, and it is possibly my survivor status that like, biases involved. me towards mm-hmm. depth. But like the behavior that I that I saw on the TV screen, and also the you know potentially biased views that I did get because I kind of exist on like YouTube is what I consume mm-hmm. for my media because uh, I don't have cable. But going into that, just like there were so many things that people popped off about that it was like whoa, it shows how like far we have to go in this conversation yes. of abuse and of mental health. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like when people are like she's shit in his bed. And I'm like, no, that's what they do. That's how they get you is they do something so mm-hmm. outside the norm, yep. something just so grandiose and like, wait, what? Like if I tell people about this, I'm going to sound and that's the gaslighting effect. Yes. So like mm-hmm. when I saw people that were like, this can't be real, I was like, whoa, like I'm glad you've never had that I, experience. Yeah, exactly. That's a great, those. that's great. Cause that would be what I would say to someone like you should feel very lucky and fortunate that you have never experienced being with somebody who's like that fucking trial fucked me all up because it brought back my worst most yeah the the, the fucking relationship that ended with me cutting my throat do you know what i'm saying so for me it was really hard but the one thing i will say in the circus thing it's all true but i think there at least was a takeaway at the end that Oh, we can all talk, maybe talk about our, mm-hmm. our toxic relationships yeah. or get ourselves out of these situations now because there's a dialogue. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. dialogue did not, did not exist for men. I'm not saying women, women have it worse physically, no question. Absolutely. But there was no way a guy could be mm-hmm. like, oh, my, because that's what happened. When I was abused, mm-hmm. I was abused by a girl looking like Angelina Jolie. People would meet her. They'd see me bruised and fucked up. Like, even my dad. She'd come around my dad and he'd be like, mm. I shouldn't use that word, but that's what he did. He went full too, by the way. So people, when I'd be like, yo, shit's going on, they'd be like, what, your beautiful girlfriend's fuck? Yeah, I won't hit her back. That's exactly what's fucking yep. happening. So it, it opened a dialogue, I think, for people. I want to bring this up to you, too, because this is another theme, just because it's re- when it's usually Rem and I, a theme we have is we kind of do like a call to action to, to males mm-hmm. about a lot of things. Like we, the angle we, we took on an episode, we did an episode on Fight Club, mm-hmm. and, we, and we, the angle we took is, number one, hindsight 2020, speaking of... Speaking of movies with Homosexual. homosexuality, over, oh, underton- yeah. undertones, overtones, we, under, under and overtones. But we talked about one of my takeaways when they're in the support group for men with statistical cancer is how how broken and fragile those men are in that moment and how rarely that that kind of thing is seen. Like, And how that, that was very powerful to me and how men have to get 
more comfortable with being vulnerable. Absolutely. And I think there's a couple intersectional things here is like one is some ideology did a very good job at painting feminism as the enemy and that like feminism somehow means like female superiority and like that's not it at all. And then there are some people that don't want to call themselves feminists because they would rather use like the term humanist, I guess, because everyone should be equal. And that's honestly what feminism strives for, or at least my brand of feminism of do what you want, love who you want, make the choices you want you know, don't hurt other people and we should all have those equal access opportunities, et cetera. Um, and then going from there, you have to consider psychological patriarchy, which is a concept that a uh, content creator, Khadija Bo, uh, introduced me to. And psychological patriarchy is basically just another way of saying toxic masculinity. But again, there's an ideology at work that has made that such a hot buzzword mm -hmm. that as soon as you say, oh, well, is that your toxic masculinity showing? Someone takes that as a threat or a challenge. And like, I don't necessarily want to get gender essentialist with it. But like, again, it's just goes to show how like harmful those preconceived notions of what is man, what is woman, what is masculine, what is feminine. Um, like and every, how deeply rooted they are in the country. Yeah. I mean, every time I see dude wipes at Walmart, I, I chuckle. Like, just I'm chuckling right now. <laughs> because it's like, really, like baby wipes were too offensive. They were too delicate for y'all's sensibilities. And like... I always um, called the man pawns from Robin Big because that's what Rob, that's what Big he would say. I'm wearing a man pawn, and I'd be like, "Well, like, it's just <laughs> no." But I agree. Like we're that we're that threatened. Yeah. Like I would mm -hmm. have to buy that we're in my cart so the girl oh. at the fucking front of the line doesn't think oh, I have. A I'll vagina. go a step further. We're that fragile. Yeah. Yes. We're that fragile. And, no, the fragile male ego. So like, I wrote a story. This is where I was on FetLife, and um, it went kind of kinky and popular, and the title was definitely a buzzy, like clickbaity title. Um, and it was take your cishet white straight man slaving and shove it or something. But it was, if I have a support group for survivors of dog attacks, for example, you know, people that have been bitten by dogs, no matter what the circumstances were. And, you know, every Wednesday at 7 PM, just for one hour, we have a dog free environment, no dogs allowed period, end of story, because for one hour we get to not be confronted by our trauma because every time I leave my house, there are dogs in people's front yards. There are dogs, you know, loose walking the street. Even if I go into a store, people have emotional support dogs and that's completely valid. And I don't have the right to say that thing is not allowed here mm -hmm. because of my own trauma. But I should be allowed a safe space. Absolutely. Yep. And that's what I'm getting to because you'll have people that are like, well, I'm an ally and I would like to come to your meeting. And it's like, well, I notice you have your dog with you. And it's like, well, my dog didn't attack anybody. My dog didn't attack any of you. Doesn't matter. And yeah. then it's like, we appreciate that. And at 8 p.m., the door's open for everyone. And then it's, you know, happy mm -hmm. hour, half off appetizers, like, you know, Bob's your uncle. But it's like, but no, you not letting me in is you discriminating against me, is you being the problem, is you perpetuating that bigotry and that oppression. You've become that which you hate. And it's like, Yo, I just wanted one hour. Yeah, why is my like, one hour that offensive to you? I know, because I, 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 I only come at it from this angle because I have the skills. Mm -hmm. Like I have the clinical skills and I'd be like, uh, so what I'm hearing from you is that your situation takes precedent over the dozens of people who will be traumatized by this. Right. Like, and, and then, because if you put it that way, it's kind of like, it's some, somebody, somebody would probably be like, 
because they know they can't, they know they're stuck there because they can't say, Bob's yes, good at the, the smug I flip. I am, He's a I am, master I am, of the I am, smug flip. I am. I am when Bob goes I to am. ask you a question, if you, if you said something to him and he's asking you a question, <laughs> bro, it's going to be unanswered. And then, and, then, and then Ren would be like, oh, Bob, how passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, microaggress a little yeah. harder there, bud. And we did that. We did that on, uh, we, we talked about our own mental health issues mm-hmm. on an episode. And then at the end, like our defense mechanisms kicked in and we talked about, how we had to like bro it up and like make jokes about it. And we're like, and see, that's just, it just happens. It immediately ingrained in us. Immediately kicked in and we're doing it. And then I think, did I recognize it? Yes. I was like, holy shit. We just did vulnerable each other for an hour. And at the end we were like, fuck you pussy. Yeah. I'm like, no, really. It was embarrassing, but it was yeah. also powerful because it made me realize I got to work on this too. Yeah. Oh, and that's like another thing like with my feminism and it's kind of annoying because I used to teach um, college, like just, you know, introduction to communication fundamentals, whatever. And I would say things like, oh, so another philosophical or ideological, cultural, blah, blah, blah phenomenon is feminism. And immediately a lot of that toxic masculinity, the patriarchy that we all are just immersed in, like it's when you talk to somebody about patriarchy it's almost like asking a fish like to notice the water they swim in. And they're just like, what water? Like, this is just my environment. This is what I breathe. Um, And it was kind of like frustrating as somebody who was, you know, socialized as a feminine person that these men and boys needed to hear, nope, feminism is on your side too, boys. Like Mm -hmm. feminism also fights for you. It's Mm -hmm. super unfair that you're not allowed to cry. Like, but then they would double down and be like, well, boys shouldn't cry. And I'm like, and that's mm. what we're fighting against. Yeah, Thank you, Kelly. Because one thing I brought up, remember, be a man. Yeah. Like uh, that's, that's the most so worst. Toxic. It is one of the worst Dismissive. things. Dismissive. Yeah, it's one of the worst, what? worst things. If I'm crying at a fucking AT&T commercial, let me cry. Yeah. Like, well, there's that. And like, I, I definitely am an easy crier when it comes to like media I'm consuming, like a good episode of Star Trek TNG and the waterworks turn on. Um, but like... If it's a real life event, like I won't break down unless it's like after the crisis has already subsided. Mm-hmm. I'm not usually a crier. Um, but when it's so ingrained that like the person that quote unquote beat it into you, whether literally, physically, metaphorically, whatever, that man up, stiffen up that upper lip isn't around to say it anymore. And without missing a beat, y'all just pick up that mm-hmm. slack. Yep. And it, it's like almost some weird like self-flagellation and like my heart breaks for y'all, but at the same time, it's like, well, you develop too many emotions and they start calling you crazy. Yeah. So like, watch that. Yeah, it's, like, it's that fine yeah. line. I'm yeah. not, you know, any sort of champion yeah. or assertive. I'm a bossy ass bitch. So like, it's that I had double a profe- I had a professor who talked about assertiveness and the difference between genders. And that's, that's what she said. She said, if you are, if you are assertive and you are a male, it's a positive trait. It's you're a go-getter, you're this. And if you're a female, you're a bitch. And nothing's ever good enough for you. Yeah. And yeah. you're always put, I'm a pusher, like mean girls reference. Um, I'm a drug pusher. Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. So we've covered a ton of ground. We have. Yeah, we've covered. I was going to ask you when you brought up the feminist, but you defined, you defined, you, you defined it. So you didn't, we didn't, we didn't really have, cause you went on. We, you took us on that odyssey again, there sticking with the theme theme of the, the show. Is there anything else that you want to bring up or talk about? No, I mean, like it's been real. Like it's been awesome seeing you guys. This is one of the highlights of my trip home. And like, crazy idea. What? We can do these by phones, dude. Remember? Oh, I was like going to say that. Like we there can, might be a way uh, for me to like remote in. Oh yes, there is. Because this is the Bluetooth that I can hook up to this. And, oh. And then it hooks up to my phone. So basically, maybe, basically, you become like you are right now, the third mic. 
Word. Yeah. yeah we should we, we should we Bob, I mean, right here on air, should we offer the intern position oh if she wants goodness. to take it? Oh yeah. I mean, hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm the intern? Yeah. Like, right. hey. it's, 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 she said perpetual like, and call uh, it like intern squared. <laughs> Well, the goal here, Kelly, intern take two. The goal is, is, you know, keep it. It's fed by passion. We keep this thing going, and who knows where it can be in a couple years. Yeah, like I don't have to be on every time, but no, that's what I'm saying. I want my hot takes. Or what if you wake up one week and you have shit you want to talk about? Hit us up and say, "Can I have the platform?" Oh, there's enough going on in the world. This is. Oh yeah, I know. We never run out of shit to talk about. I might just be like, "Well, I'm there if you need me." And one and one thing again. I mean the 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 tongue-in-cheek moniker aside, like we, were, like we were talking about like 50 minutes ago, is about that we're both part of the same generation, but that... Different ends. The different... Yeah, like like even even the just the 10-year gap, I mean, changes experiences for people, but we're still the same generation. We still right. have similarities. And Remy's not too far off, so he gets Gen X experiences, but he yeah. also, he also obviously is, is like, has, yeah, as Remy, you know, exists, Remy exists in an out of generations Unto in time. Himself. But thank yeah. you. But there's been many episodes of me and Baba like, but we'd love to have a female take on this. So maybe at yep. least now when we do the more gender centric stuff, we can get you involved. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Cause we want you to represent that voice. Cause we can't, we can, ah. we can represent it out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome aboard. All right. Aye, aye, Captain. We had to make sure we all had the same radio chemistry before we offered it. We had I to, know, you right? Know, but and it's right there. Do. Yeah, no, look we at do. this. Like, this is, this, is, this is ultimately what I envision when I have multiple people on or if I'm interviewing someone that it, the episodes flow like this. Because mm-hmm. to me, that's... I mean, a podcast are supposed to like be like about n- normal and natural conversations. It's... That organic shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why we didn't even really like, we didn't talk too much in the car and form this episode because we had nope. a feeling that when we hit the core. <laughs> I just remember Bobby going, I think we found our angle. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It was the producer you know? in me. <laughs> yeah, you're good Pat, at this. Pat, Pat would be, yeah, Pat would be proud. Yeah, so this Pat episode for sure is dedicated to Pat. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, 100%. beautiful yes. man. We feel you here with us. In my opinion, it's a me king. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, yes, that's a, that's a standpoint. We'll take a selfie that we can put on the socials. Hey, there awesome. we go. Yes, yes. Uh, the XOP does have a Twitter account now. Yeah, Word. it is X underscore O underscore podcast. So, guys, um, I, say the thing, millennial. Like, follow, share, and subscribe. There it is. Nice. Thank you. Kelly, thank you very much for taking us on this Odyssey today. Yeah, yes, it was great let, to have you back. Let's go get Chinese. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. And for everyone else, you know, we'll be eating for you in spirit. Take, yeah. Take care. Stop by. We'll share the fried rice. Jason, welcome back to the Odyssey. Thank you for having me. Hello, sir. I know, Jason, you wanted to have a sit-down episode with Remy. Yes, because you go on what someone would consider as a bad trip. You're still learning something from it. It's amazing that people are seeing it for what it is because it's curative. 
you have the opportunity to address these things that are that are locked behind Pandora's boxes mm-hmm. in your mind that torture you every day without you even knowing it. Yes. I watched it once and, and I watched it again with my wife. And as I'm watching it, my wife says to me, is this something you're looking into? And so I, I look at her and I say, yes. Take it at least once. I really believe that everyone should take it at least once. Parents, grandparents. I think that they'd be shocked. They'd be like, wow, I missed out on something great. You know, just yeah. because it is. It's it's the most curative thing I've ever experienced. Find the XOP on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, or YouTube.